We've just been joined in the studio by a host of uh, people to talk about the kind of issues and uh, controversy coming out of the producers' talk and breakfast talks that have been taking place at Mayfest Radio. I'm going to hand over to Mayfest co-director Kate Yedigaroff to introduce everyone who's in the studio and lead you through the next half an hour. Kate. Thank you, Luke. Yes, hello. Um, so this week we had a couple of um, conversations with a mix of artists and producers from within the city and beyond. Um, the focus of those conversations was diversity. Um, and inevitably there are some feelings that arise out of these kinds of conversations, not least because uh, the sort of things that get said in a space like that, because of how complicated, knotty, personal or unresolved this conversation is. Um, after one of those talks, we. Um, got contacted by the brilliant Nika Shukler who is um, a writer and many other br many other things and someone who we commissioned last year to make his fabulous piece Salt in the Sugar Jar and Nikesh felt um, not good about uh, the conversations that were happening and having been in the room and was really keen as are we to um, explore that a little bit more so he's in the studio with us as is Elsa who works with Nikesh on Rife magazine as is Matthew Austin the other director of Mayfest. We don't have much time, so this is just to sort of give platform to a follow-on from that um, and to see where we get to. Nikesh. Hey, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Yes. Yeah, I decided to use my old boys' network <laughs> to, to, the, to the annoying people who were in that uh, breakfast chat. I've got one up on you because now I've got another platform to talk more equal opportunities nonsense. Um, yeah, it was it was a really difficult space to be in because um, it just so happened that um, the f four people of colour all sat next to each other, so it kind of looked like we were the diversity corner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Ailsa came, and I was there, and we had uh, Vanessa Casule, who's an amazing spoken word artist, and Rosanna Diaz, who's uh, an engagement uh, producer at Watershed, mm -hmm. um, who works on Wife Magazine with Ailsa and me, and. Um, I, 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 I talk about all this stuff a lot, like quite publicly. I'm quite open about um, my feelings on the subject of why we need normalisation of otherness, and you know why, I, like, I'm starting to find the word diversity quite difficult. Mm. Um, and it was actually being in that room that I realised that for all of our sort of liberal want to do better, we still have quite a long way to go because. <clears throat> You know, for as artists of colour, you know, we 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 engage with all this art that's happening by other artists of colour. And, you know, when we see how people react to it from, from the outside, we kind of tend to notice a pattern that the thing the things that tend to get commissioned or made are the things that either romanticize or fetishize our otherness. And um, particularly, you know, one you know, it was a person who was sort of it felt like they were telling us off of still feeling miserable about the whole thing because in their eyes, things were getting better, and cited the example of a play about ISIS being on at the National Theatre. And actually, that's a really dangerous thing to say because what you're basically saying is, first, first of all, um, we should be happy that the only story that we get at, the, say, the National Theatre, for example, is one about radicalisation. Which, as you know, as we all know, like there are 1.6 billion Muslims in the world, million billion. Uh, and ISIS represents like less than one percent of them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and I can't speak for Muslims. So, I, and I won't speak for Muslims. But I imagine they probably 
I'm imagining speaking from us. Uh, they probably don't want to go and see a play about ISIS. They probably don't like. I don't want to see another thing about honor killings. I want to see. Um, I want to see things where you know. Uh, and if I take Salt in the Sugar Jar as as an example, where we had worked really really hard to do a play about grief and memory. You know it was interesting seeing that reactions to it were about cultural heritage and actually the mm. much more important journey as uh, you guys know as the producers and the director Nick Partridge and I really worked to make it a play that was going to emotionally resonate with people mm. and I really remember someone saying to me after one of the shows that um, and I said this in the in the breakfast talk that it really reminded her, her of all the yoga retreats she'd been to in India <laughs> and and I just thought that that's you know People have very, very specific cultural touch points that they need to be able to um, go to when they experience art by a person of color, color it, that to help them to sort of understand it. Um, and, and so what that tends to mean is that the universal experience is white, and that's really, really dangerous mm. because the, it, just, it, well, it makes mockery of the word universal for one, but also it just means that whatever we do is just... Um, constantly hampered by the fact that we're not white and I think the the discussion was really interesting because it it still put us at a dif distance where I still felt quite othered in that room and um, and did you feel like that before um, the comments that you referenced directly and is there some is there something in the kind of framing of that conversation right from the beginning you said that the word is unhelpful I mean I think we all feel like that anyway it doesn't mean anything really yeah, I'm like uh, I'm. I'm really interested in uh, like Shonda Rhimes, the the TV writer who writes uh, Scandal and How to Get Away with Murder. She talks about she's not interested in diversifying television. She's interested in normalising television mm -hmm. because diversity is often a celebration of otherness, whereas normalisation is about normalising yeah. other experiences. I, I I went to the talk bit because. You know, it's, it's a topic I'm really, really passionate about, and I really wanted to be in a great, safe space with other artists who kind of understood the importance of um, making art more inclusive, more accessible. Um, and you know, for the most part, there were loads of great people in that room who also wanted the same thing. But you know, the thing that you tend to walk away with is like the one or two people who still have very, very institutionalized, colonialized yeah. views, and that. Yeah that is the thing that makes me angry because those mm. people are often the people in the most powerful powerful yeah. seats yeah Elsa do you want to um, join in I think in terms of um, feeling othered before mm. the before those comments were mm. dropped um, I think that's kind of unavoidable because as I was saying to Matthew before we started this um, this is not a one-off in terms of it like us coming away from it feeling very angry and hurt um, mm. I've like nearly every other talk I've been to on diversity um, I've come away from it feeling like that mm. and so you end up wanting to give people the benefit of the doubt wanting to be as empathetic as possible wanting to educate people and being hurt again and again um, so in reaction to that you start bracing yourself for it mm. by othering yourself before it mm -hmm. I think um, and that's a really hard thing to get around. Mm, mm. Um, I think in terms of improve, I don't know. I like I like action points to improve things. Yeah, yeah. Um, just starting off any of these talks, like they're 
nearly always in talks about diversity, it's predominantly white people there. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds really basic. It sounds like you shouldn't have to do it. But just trying to have somebody at the start say, please be very aware of... Mm-hmm. Maybe not privilege is the most useful term because mm. it's so overused now and watered down like the word diversity, but people being aware of the space they're taking up yeah. um, and saying and just stating very clearly that to invalidate somebody's experience, either by talking over them or um, particularly a person of colour or whoever is relevant to that conversation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is not helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's helpful in that it very much demonstrated the point that we have a very long way to go yeah. still, but I yeah. don't think that... Um, the people who were <laughs> who were demonstrating that point realized that, mm-hmm. um, but making it very clear at the start that that is not on. That is what we're here to discuss, and I think that will make a lot of people uncomfortable because they're not used to having that space taken away and that airtime taken away. Mm-hmm. But it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking about Selena's uh, provocation uh, that she that I read out at the beginning of that talk, which was about, uh, uh, was about, about conversation and, uh, and her kind of provocation was, let's all do, decide to do one thing that, that is a positive step and go out and actually do it so that when inevitably we're all in a room in a year's time having another conversation about diversity, we can actually say, we've, we've got somewhere. And Nikesh, in your, in your message to me, Last night you said uh, you said it feels like we've gone a step back, and that's really sad. If you know, Selena was explicitly saying, "Let's move things forward," and uh, it's sad that 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 the result of that conversation is actually a step back rather than. I, I, I don't I don't think that because of just that conversation. I think <clears throat> I think the what what's happening with the the national conversation around. Um, diversity at the moment is it seems to be really really polarizing and it is polarizing so right. it's making a lot of people feel very very defensive rather than open to change and I think um, you know there's often quite derailing comments like you know where people sort of bring other othernesses into it and obviously you know, the, the diversity conversation needs to address things like class and gender and sexuality and disability and race and you know all of it um but you know the particular conversation that we kind of ended up focusing on yesterday was around uh, wednesday sorry was around race and um so when when we're having those conversations about about race it feels quite derailing to go well um <laughs> white people have it bad too or um well i i'm i'm not from london so therefore i can't um i can't get anything commissioned or what have you you know that's it, it, it isn't helpful we know but the the particular conversation we're having is around the lack of the lack of opportunities for people from bme backgrounds or for, for people of color um and you know in terms of like action points i think there's so much amazing art out there because you know art tends to be made regardless of gatekeepers and uh, like every every now and then gatekeepers let that art cross over into different spaces but I, I just think if there is one action point that anyone who, who I'm hoping people are listening who are in that room but if there's anything they can do as a positive thing it would be for them to go out and find one of those bits of art and just signal boost it because that means so much more than your opinion about like their opinion about 
race. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are so many, so many amazing um, thinkers and writers and art, um, artists out there, like having this conversation so much more articulately than I am. That I'd much rather signal boost what they're saying and doing than just be the person who just sort of repeats it a lot. Um, so yeah, please just find find it. It is out there, and if you don't know where to find it, then you're not don't know how to use the internet, quite frankly, because the internet is, um, a, you know, it's the great um, what's the word I'm it's it you know uh, <laughs> yeah sorry I, I lost myself in my own <laughs> sentence there I'm so angry I'm so sad I'm so this I'm so that I, I was trying to think of the word but I can't think of it the great leveller Gatsby Gatsby <laughs> <laughs> the internet is a great Gatsby <laughs> um, I but yeah so I, I think I think yeah uh, the the reason the, the, the a, a thing that does make me feel sad is because not you kind of you feel like nothing changes like and I know that people say that change is slow and change is incremental and change has happens um, over a period of time you know I'm predominantly a novelist and we know how painfully slow books are you know any change that we initiate now we probably won't see till 2017 2018 but the thing is the thing that's not changing I don't think is the people at the top tier I think you know as I said like so much more art is being is so much art great art by people of color is being made um there are lots of interesting conversations happening about like diversifying workforces but until the people at the top at the very top of these industries sort of look within themselves if it like if they all resigned and we had a whole new hiring process uh, and they can obviously reapply for their job if they want to then maybe we can see see things start starting to change because i think we're, we're at a point now where people are going, well, there's a business case for diversity. You know, you, there are all these untapped audiences that you can make money from. But while the top tier of these industries are still white people, it's still white people profiting off the art of people of color. And that still, to me, feels really unequal. So I'm not interested in the business case for diversity. I'm, I'm interested in, like, the social case for diversity, the, hu the human case for diversity, the human case for equal opportunities, the, like the universal case for inclusion for everyone to feel welcome because you know that's that the great thing about mayfest is it is a really really inclusive uh and interesting programming little plug for you guys well done guys well done guys and um what and it does it does feel like you know it attracts loads and loads of different audiences but then when you go into those rooms like we were we were at I just felt like, who are these people who are being like codedly racist? I don't understand where they've come from. Um, why do they feel like it's, it's an okay space to say these things? And uh, you know, someone tweeted me that, uh, and I wasn't there, so all I have is a contextless tweet to go off. But someone said that a, a comment was made that maybe, maybe that maybe people of color just aren't as talented as enough, and maybe that's why there's a lack of diversity. Which I just thought, well, it, I don't need to unpick that for you. I mean, it's pretty obvious that that is just utterly prejudiced and I, I kind of want to know who that person was just so I make sure I never work with them ever again unless it was you guys it wasn't you guys I'm just I'm just sorry I'm no, just no it wasn't us <laughs> no I know no, no, no. Um, and yeah obviously I don't know the the context of how that came up but you know when you see stray tweets like that it, it does make you think well I'm not entirely surprised that someone said that and felt it was okay to say that because you know 
in all these conversations and, and debates and talks like Elsa was referring to, people do feel like it's okay to say that. You know, why are you making such a big deal about it? Change is happening. You know, you've got your diversity spot. You've got your special charity fund. You've got your special BME place that is offered for, for you, you know, because you're not going to get there on merit alone. And the... The, the sad fallacy of the art world is that all of this exists on a meritocracy. Like, book in books, we, people talk about literary merit a lot. And I think if you believe in a meritocracy in the arts world, then you are infantile at best. You are deluded. There is no such thing as a meritocracy because a meritocracy uh, supposes that everyone has had the same opportunity and access and freedom to make what they want to make, not what they think... Um, the gatekeepers will like and the gatekeepers have judged all those things based on this made up arbitrary set of rules of what constitutes merit and they've let the best things through and that just isn't true yes you're quite right <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that really um. we, we could just have a moment of silence for the, <laughs> the word diversity <laughs> Let's let's just stop using the word now. Let's just. Stop what using do you think word? about the um, the the Arts Council's creative case for diversity? Have you, have you read the the creative case for diversity? I, ha- I haven't, I'm afraid. Um, but you know, the the creative case, the business case, the resource case. I just think you know, I'd mu- mu- as I said, I'm much more interested in the fact that we are humans and people who want to make things yeah. and want the same opportunities that everyone else yeah. has had. Um, and either chosen to take or not chosen to take and that so maybe I'll write a paper called The Human Case for Normalisation or something I don't, I don't know yeah. yeah which is just our experience of yeah. not being represented and always feel yeah which is very painful <laughs> um, and you can find stuff out there I know Nikesh said if you want to find artists of colour like, and you can't find them you're not using the internet properly I get that it's hard to step out of your bubble. If you want to tweet me, please do. <laughs> and I will send you to the way of brilliant friends of mine who are brilliant and people I'm yet to meet. Um, and yeah, unfortunately they all have to be brilliant because you can't be mediocre in a person of color in the arts. Um, you can be a mediocre white man <laughs> in the arts. Um, and, but yeah, everyone I know is exceptional. Um, in terms of the like, creative case, diversity, yeah, I would just, I haven't read it, I might do, <laughs> but my main case is how much I was hurt by never seeing myself represented mm. further than Mulan, and even that was tenuous at best, yeah. because yeah. I'm Scottish and mixed race. Uh, <laughs> so, that's my case. <laughs> uh, I think that we have to kind of... Okay. But we m- well, I've got in, my, in the way of myself now because I thought that we had to stop. So <laughs> I'm going to just do that. Um, thank you. Um, obviously, there's just a, a sort of an endless amount to say about this. And um, I suppose from a, a Mayfest point of view, I'm struck by um, the sort of need to prioritise action. Um, it feels like when we're thinking about conversations as part of this festival programme, we should think about them better. Um, think more carefully about how they're framed and how they're not just sort of these little islands of unsatisfying mm. discourse. Um, and I think what you're both saying about sign... What did you say? It sounded called cool. sign boosting. Signal, Signal boosting. Signal boosting. Um, 
is absolutely vital and we need it too as um, from a position of programming the, the, the notion that we can all get behind people who are um, communicating better than we can and stop being in a defensive position of trying to be experts on things is really really exciting um, so yeah let's keep trying to be better <laughs> yeah can I I think I would say if you're a white person and you're getting defensive, like just try to examine why you're getting defensive and just listen. Listen to people of colour, read what they're writing, look at their art, watch it, and just don't try not to react and just let that sink in for a bit. Like that's as as the old breakup adage goes, it's not you, it's me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That'd be great. Thanks. (laughs) We have to leave it on the breakup adage then. (laughs) Thank you, Elsa Nikesh. Thank you.